This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And we're back with Tom Habistro. That is right. Tonight we are joined by Tom Habistro, NBA insider, host of the Tom Habistro podcast, which is very Greg Cody-like. Pack Your Knives podcast, co-creator of the ALS Hot Pepper Challenge, and the newest member of Metal Lark Media. Tom, glad you're with us. Let me get a round of applause from everybody for joining. Thank you, Tom. Ooh, Tom. Have a show. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure, and it's great time. I, I joined Metal Arc and it, the announcement came uh, yesterday, I believe. And so it's really special to be joining with you guys today after it's become official. No, of course. Um, yeah, the, the timing did work out. And we were actually just for the intro, two congratulations, we want to say. And one I know you touched on previously on the Dan Levitard show was congrats on the MLB's first Lou Gehrig Day coming up in a few weeks on June 2nd. And on top of that, being announced, officially signed to Metal Arc before your partner in crime, Amin, who happened to be the first person on national TV to do the hot pepper challenge. So congratulations on that. Uh, thank you. Thank you. And um, yeah, June 2nd, I'm going to be flying up with my family, my two daughters, my wife and, and I are going to hop on a plane first time as a family since the pandemic. And it's going to be weird. We're going to fly into like La- LaGuardia and we're going to go to Yankee Stadium for Lou Gehrig Day at Yankee Stadium uh, to raise awareness for for ALS and uh, my mother's uh, um, been battling the disease for four four ish years. Um, she's she's uh, she's going to come with us, and it's it's a great family that we built with the uh, Levitard family uh, and friends with uh, Kate Fagan and uh, and her family, and also Boog Shiambi, who's um, who does a, a gala every year uh, for for his project Main, Main Street, um, you know, an ALS beneficiary uh, benefit. And it's been it's been amazing. Dan has been incredible, and the community, uh, including you guys, have been incredible in wrapping your arms around this cause. And uh, I, I don't know what kind of peppers are in our future at Lebetard Show and Metal Arc, but I can tell you, I am very scared. So a, a lot to unpack there. One, you're right. Yankee Stadium, no better place to do it for baseball. Um, awesome that your mother can make the trip. So uh, congratulations, y'all can make that happen. As far as what type of pepper? So are you afraid that Lebertard and Mike Ryan, if anybody could Mike Ryan, try to come up with a pepper that you have not faced before? Because I feel like you're like the veteran here. Yeah, there's there's all sorts of peppers I haven't eaten. Um, the hottest I've done is is the habanero. And that's not even, I feel like that's in terms of the scale of it. That's like, um, that's like Chris Bosh, 2011. Like the, the, he's really good. But like there's LeBron and D Wade that you that are better. And uh, I feel like I haven't hit those levels yet. Like Le- the LeBron of hot peppers. I just, 
or sorry, the D Wade of hot peppers on this show. Um, I don't know what that is. Uh, there is this such thing as a Carolina Reaper. Do you, yes. Does anyone here know what the Carolina Reaper is? Yeah, I've heard of it, but I don't think anybody here has tried it. But if you have, please raise your hand. I'm more than happy to. Okay, so we're all we've all heard of it. Yeah, it is the hottest pepper in the world, and it's the the place that makes it is 20 minutes from my house. So I kind of feel like I have to do it at some point, right? Yeah, you'll absolutely be doing it, joining Middle Ark and Dan Libertard with them. Uh, one thing for 2011, if we're actually talking the pepper for LeBron, it would actually be Dirk, uh, just from me being from Dallas. I think Dirk is the proper reference for the best pepper in 2011. Moving on, though. <laughs> so with that, um, as, as all, all of us, like you said, we're part of the show. Uh, not part of the show. We're fans of the show. A lot of our introduction to Tom Havershow was the hint that Beep gave us uh, while you were introduced. The probably best rap parody from the show from Mike Ryan that stat in your face. With that, Lou, I'm going to kick it off to you because he actually had some questions about that song specifically in the, I guess, how it started. So, you know, it has nothing to do with, to do with the song. Uh, my question is, uh, before the pandemic, I, I kind of told you that. I just, I typed things wrong. So, before the pandemic, were you ever in a situation when someone was just trashing your opinion and you had to throw your stats in their face. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, does does a uh, does LeBron James, you know, take a jumper from thirty feet if he can to shoot it over Steph Curry? Like, if you got the ammo, if you got the shot, you got to use it. So, absolutely, when people come at me with certain uh, certain theories or certain uh, really shitty takes, then yes, I will I will throw some stats in their face for sure. Uh, but that song. That song, when I go to like the Miami Heat games, I will walk down the stairs and I will hear people saying, I love Habershow. And I just like give shout outs all over. I feel like a celebrity when I walk into the Heat Arena now because of the Lebertard show. Um, and like people who are walking with me are like, man, people really love you, but they don't know that they don't get the show. So they just assume that people are just saying, I love you, Tom. But it, I mean, it's it's an inside joke with the with the guys. So uh, I, I I do throw some stats in people's faces. Yes. Yeah. No. Have you ever? Funny. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say like, have you been like, have been someone like not necessarily like an analyst, like somewhere where you've been at a bar and someone doesn't necessarily know who you are and they're just like totally giving the wrong take. Like, do you have a story where just a random person that you just totally threw your stats so hard in their face that they were like, okay, I'm leaving. They're not. They're no longer living. Yeah, I've done it so much that uh, they, they passed out and we've never heard from them again. That's how hard the stats were that I threw in their face. So uh, rest in peace. Can't talk about it. I'm afraid to finish the interview now in case any stats come in our face and we lose half of this universe. You should it, be afraid. If I'm you, I never tell anybody about the show song and I just let everybody continue thinking that people just <laughs> sing my name. So on, on this same line of stats, um, our own little scientist that's part of this chat, Kish, had some questions for you about your career. Hey, Tom. Um, so I'm a big fan of yours back in the day when you were actually like still writing for the Heat Index. Shots and in the uh, yeah, you've always been like really like analytics heavy. And, um, you know, how'd you get into data uh, analytics and like what advice would you have to a burgeoning uh, young data scientist like me? Oh, well, uh, um, you're way smarter than me. Let's just put it that way. First <laughs> and foremost, I um, I don't know what I'm doing. I just stumbled into this out of serendipity and actually adversity when i graduated from 
college in 2008, the market crashed and there was no jobs in finance. And I was a finance major, or I guess econ to be exact. Um, and so I had no jobs. I had no job opportunities. So I knew I was good with numbers. Um, you know, being an econ major, I was kind of, uh, I took some data analytics classes and I was pretty good with Excel and I love sports. So I just threw my resume at ESPN and I got turned down for two full-time gigs. Um, they flew me up and everything. They put me in a hotel. Uh, they had a limo for me. Uh, I was like the, the job that I was interviewing for, it felt like I was interviewing for like John Skipper's job or uh, Norby's job or someone very high up, but it was actually just like, at this point, I guess people was doing so well that they were just going to like fly people in on uh, like low level entry level jobs and put them in limos. I didn't get any of the jobs that I interviewed for. And then, um, I took a temp agency, uh, gig to be basically a low level stats person at ESPN. Um, and at that time I was like, you know what? I got my foot in the door at ESPN. Let's see what, got, what happens from here. Um, and that's how it happened. Um, I started in the stats and anal stats and analysis department at ESPN, which is basically like all of the stats that you see on the bottom line, on the ticker, on the website, on sports center, every number that you see on air on ESPN's platforms on their billion channels and billion platforms are fact-checked by a group of minions in this warehouse layer. And that was one of, that was one of my jobs. Um, and so I worked my way up from that layer would had no windows they had fat heads on the walls because they just like, they needed it to make it feel like you were already working at ESPN, but there were no windows. It was just a cubicle, maze of cubicles and um you just watch sports took stats from that cop looked at box scores and fact checked those box scores on every game that went onto the website and um then the sabermetrics movement took off and i just rode that wave that's awesome and were you like a heat fan in the beginning or how'd you get with uh like the heat index so I am not a Heat fan. Um, I actually grew up a big college hoops fan and big baseball fan. But when you're coming up through it as a baseball fan, I'm a Red Sox fan, and which is going to be weird going to Yankee Stadium and cheering for, uh, for Lou Gehrig uh, or the uniform, I should say. Um, you learn a lot about uh, numbers and sabermetrics and like uh, analyzing data. And I hated Derek Jeter when I was a kid. Sorry for any Marlins fans out there. Um, but I hated Derek Jeter. I thought he was overrated. I thought he was a bad fielder. And I was like, I would run numbers. And I started a blog called the Tom's bombs of thought.com dot blogspot.com. I mean, sure. It's still up there somewhere. And I was in college and I just started writing like, Derek Jeter is overrated or like the Red Sox are amazing. And I would use numbers to back up all my thoughts. And I just, I, I was really good at it. Um, I, ne I never thought of myself as a writer. I just started a blog and then, um, and then ESPN looked at it and they said uh, in the interview, they're like, Hey, one of your blog posts here, Tom says, um, says uh, why ESPN is full of BS. The, the articles is about analyzing who's now and you've, and you've ripped us apart because you, you hate the little like summer thing that we're doing at ESPN called who's more now they did this thing back in the day. And I like totally trashed it on my blog and I forgot that it was up there. So I'm going in and interviewing at ESPN and they read, they pull up this blog post and they see that, Oh, these are all good sabermetric stories. And what's this over here? And I thought I was done after that. And um, 
they gave me that, that, that like part-time gig. Um, I started covering like baseball and football. And then they were like, Hey, basketball, do you know basketball at all? And I was like, yeah, I play basketball. I'm an NBA fan. I uh, love college hoops. Like, of course I love it. And like, cause no one's doing this stuff in the basketball world. Like there, like there's tons of people doing it in baseball. Not many people are doing it in basketball. So I saw that the line was a lot longer on the baseball side to do stats and it was a very short line at the NBA. So I just moved over to the NBA and started covering uh, the NBA with numbers. Then LeBron said he's taking his talents to South Beach in 2010. I was watching it with my wife, then girlfriend, now wife, uh, on the couch. And she just like turned to me and she said, it's kind of a big deal, isn't it? That LeBron James is going down to Miami. And little did I know that that moment, LeBron James taking his talents to South Beach, got me a job. ESPN called, said, you're good with numbers. We want to hire someone to go cover the Miami Heat in a very analytical way. Would you be game to move down to South Beach? And the rest is history. That's awesome, man. Well, thank you for that. And as a Heat fan, I thank you for all those years and uh, of writing and letting me uh, be more educated. I w- uh, thank you. My first feature was on Joel Anthony. Um, if you remember that, <laughs> the, that the warden, Joel Anthony, we went to Rosa Mexicana in Brickell and, uh, he loved the guacamole and chips. I just remember that. I'll keep that in mind. Thank you, man. Yeah. As much, as much as I despise, uh, the heat, I wouldn't be a good teammate if I didn't help Kish here. Kish also forgot. He wanted to ask you your favorite Dwayne Wade stat. So what is your favorite Dwayne Wade stat? My, f- my favorite Dwayne st- Wayne stat is that he is the best shot blocker under 6'6", uh, NBA history all time. His, his block shot rate is uh, better than anybody at his height and shorter. He's the best shot blocking guard in NBA history. The other thing that I love about Dwayne Wade is um, I did a stat that found out that people, that defenders stick to Dwayne Wade on the perimeter like he's Steph Curry. So when yeah. he is off the ball and he is he doesn't have the ball and he's standing at the three-point line, most non-shooters like D-Wade, who wasn't shooting threes at the time, you just play off him. And it was this big anomaly. Like I had run all the numbers and there was this one outlier, one player that just got defended, not according to how many threes they have. It just was so weird. Like Kyle Korver, uh, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, all were just like their defenders had like an average of, um, you know, like 0.2 feet when they were away from the ball, um, when they were playing off ball because they were scared of them shooting, catching and shooting. But Dwayne Wade, everyone was terrified of him cutting off the ball, like going back door off the ball, that they had to stay on him and they stayed at him on him like he was Ray Allen. And I remember telling this to D-Wade one time. I was like, I ran the numbers, and it turns out that, like, you have the same off-ball gravity. The respect that they give you on the three-point line is as if you are Ray Allen, as if, as if you are Reggie Miller or Steph Curry. And he grabs me at practice, and he says, oh, my God, someone finally, finally proved it. It's so weird. Like, how – I've never thought of any – like, I never thought you could prove this, but in my head, it's the weirdest thing like all these players defend me off ball. Like I'm a three point shooter and I can't shoot threes. And it was like, it was like, um, it's like he was seeing like a ghost in his room for years. And then someone walks in and is like, yeah, the ghost is real. Like it's a real thing that you're seeing out there. And he, he just loved that. So D Wade, 
Um, the fact that he's defended like he's an all-time great three-point shooter because he's so good at cutting to the rim uh, is is one of the things that makes D-Wade so awesome. I agree. He's awesome in every way. Thanks again, man. So speaking of uh, basketball players that are under 6'6", Pal wants to put you against a one-on-one with somebody that is just a fan fave. So Pal, you want to pose your question here? All right, Havistro, enough with these questions that they want to ask you about stats and analytics. I want the hard-hitting truth here. You, Kirchin, one-on-one, game to 11, ones and twos. No, screw that, all ones. Who you got? Me me versus Kirchin? Yeah. Oh, man. Um, I heard he can ball. I'm a little nervous about this. He's, he's, he's short, but then again, the guy over my shoulder... Uh, Muggsy Bogues, he's pretty short too. Uh, shout out to Wake Forest. Shout out Charlotte Hornets, and uh, he he's pretty good. So I don't want to hate on someone who's vertically challenged like him, but he is. Um, I'm going to say he's going to beat me. I can never pick against Tim Kirchner. Are you going to at least make it a challenge? Like he'll beat you maybe by like by two. Of course, you can't you can't win by one in a game of pickup one on one, but. You got him beating you by two, or is he just smoking you? Is it just like you, you, you're there for the first? It's kind of like five to five, and then he just takes off. Yeah, I think he's, um, I think he's got more stamina than me. Anyone who's still working as hard as he is at his age, and just like being as cheery and charming and charismatic as he is, I feel like he's just like secretly got like marathon like cardio and that i'm just gonna peter out i'm like i have two young kids at home i can't hang with people who are like empty nesters or have kids out of, out of college and probably working out as much as tim kirkson is I, I don't think i can hang with him yeah i'm, I'm glad you answered that way because we care about you and if you would have went after kirkson we probably would have had to put out security <laughs> for you we've had to look for yeah. you the way that those people that am i tim is my face. name tim and his name is tom I don't even know anymore. That's why I just went last name only. Yeah. Uh, mayor, you, you, mayor, mayor is shaking his head for people listening because he had the joke in his head. Oh, man, I've, I've been holding that one for later. And, you know, you said he didn't take a shot at Tom, but I actually called him old. So, I, I mean, I don't know that there was a whole lot of comedy. <laughs> and there was a height joke. I can't remember the term, but there was definitely a height joke that hurt my soul as well. But it's okay. We'll, we'll, uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm seeding that he's going to beat me one on one. Yeah. And, season vet. So, you know, um, and I called him charming. He, he's like, he's like the nicest guy. Um, he, he helped a lot with the, with the a, uh, ALS Lou Gehrig day thing. He put me in touch with some people and he's been rooting for me to, uh, to get that pushed. He, he gave me a lot of really good sage advice, um, on how to get this thing done. So, so I owe a lot to Tim or Tom, whatever we're calling him. I, one thing I can assure you is he'll never hear this podcast, so you don't have to worry about anything that's ever occurred. So uh, with that, though, um, obviously we know Kirkchen, or most of us know Kirkchen, that aren't uh, maybe as big into baseball as others through the show. And Ant has a question about your relationship with the show. So Ant? So first I want to say, I think you're selling yourself short, Tom. I think Tim's good at basketball, but he seems to be good in the team environment. He's the slasher. He's making the pass. He's making the moves. I just don't necessarily – and I love – I love, I love him, but I just think you're selling yourself short. But we'll put that to the side for a second. See, I think what's going to happen is I'm going to like let him score a few points just to be nice, and then um, he's going to keep going and getting better and better, and then I'm going to be so far behind that he's just going to win. Like I, I feel like I'm going to give him like I'm going to like lay off him. You know how that happens when you uh, like when you play basketball or or a sport against like a younger kid, 
and you're just like taking it easy on them. And then you realize like two or three points in that, like, whoa, they're like actually really good. And I need to like step up. I feel like that's what's going to happen with Tim. You're going to meet meet the challenge. Nice. Anyway, my question is, I want to sort of open-ended it, throw it out. How did you become affiliated with Dan? Was it when you first moved down for the heat? Like Dan seems welcoming to anybody who's sort of in the media down in Miami, but I just wanted you to talk a little bit how, you know, you were introduced to them or, or what were the connections were made early on and how that went. Uh, Dan. So he's a legend in Miami. He's, he's, he's a, the godfather. Um, like Pat Riley's the godfather of like the basketball side, but like Dan's very much the godfather of like the media side. So he, I would be like writing articles and articles every day covering the heat index and he, and like go to every practice, every game, there's three media availabilities on game day. There's one in the morning called shoot around. And then later that day is a pregame availability. And then after the game, there's a post-game media availability. And I would go to every single one. So during the week on a normal season, you see like 30 practices, okay? Like 30, 30 media availabilities. And then on Sundays, this guy would walk in into the corner, arms crossed. And he, I think Mina, we've talked about this. He's got weird, like, um, he looks like he's jacked. Like he's just got like biceps for whatever reason when he like sits like a certain way. I think this has been talked about on highly questionable or something like that. Dan looks like he's like, just, just geez. He's that's called arm fat. Yeah. Beep count. Um, it just looked weird. I was like, man, Dan Levitard's super fit and like Jack, that's amazing. That's crazy. And Dan walks in and he just like stands in the corner, just like looks around in his very like ma- mafia godfather way. And then sees Pat and just like walks over and starts talking to Pat Riley. I had been there for like months and had never, ever gotten a chance to even get close to Pat Riley. And as soon as Dan Lebetard walks in there, he just boom, like Pat Riley rolls over to him and just like, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's depressing. All these journalists have been working so hard for, for this moment to like go maybe talk to Pat and instantly Dan Lebetard has that kind of cachet in that, in that building. So then, um, one day I just said, Hey, um, you know, I'm new here. I'm 25 years old. I don't really know what I'm doing. Um, I'm working at ESPN, which feels like I, I should know what I'm doing, but I've never been in an NBA locker room before. Could you be my mentor? And we were at Sega Fredo outside on Lincoln road. Does anyone live on my, in Miami here? Uh, yeah. Scientist Kish does. And I believe as far as on this chat. Yeah. Just Kish, the other numbers guy. Yes. Okay. So, Kish, on Lincoln Road, there's like this Sega Fredo like coffee club joint. And outside yeah. we sat there and it was really sweaty. It was hot. And he was like, why are we doing this? I'm like, cuz man, you're like a god. You're like, you're the most important media figure here. You know everybody. And they all answered to you. Do you think you could be my mentor? And he like turned me down. He was like, no. I was like, oh, he goes, no, not because you like, I, I, I'd love to like, but I'm just not worthy. I don't know what being a mentor is. Like I, I have no business of being a mentor to anybody. And he's very self-deprecating in that way. But like he, he was like, I, I, I'll help you along on your career, but just please don't call me a mentor. That makes me feel so old. And uh, so I was like, okay. <laughs> and then after that, he just like, he would have me on the radio show every once in a while because he loved my numbers. He loved that there was some young journalist who was like, fuck the narrative. LeBron is clutch. 
LeBron has uh, the best field goal percentage in inside five minutes, game within five. He had a 47% field goal percentage, and their average in that time was like 30%. And like he would bring me on the show and be like, Tom, Tom Haberstroh here. He covers the Miami Heat. He does a great job improving everyone's uh, intelligence on the basketball side. And uh, yeah, what is that stat that you wrote about here? And he would just ask me. And then he kept calling me back and calling me back. And before long, it, it became a bit um, of just like I would come on and just like bring a bunch of numbers on the on the heat. And he um, I think he appreciates the fearlessness that I had because that that season was easily the most toxic, most um, intense venom on any basketball team, any I, I would dare say any sports team got more shit than, than the Miami heat. And so for the fact that I would be able to stand out there and be like, all y'all are wrong about this team. They're going to win the title and their point differential. It, uh, even though they're nine and eight and they look like a 500 team, their point differential says that they should be 14 and three, and they're going to be that good for the rest of the season. And the numbers seem prophetic and they did go on a roll after that rough start. And then J.J. Barea happened. So you know that, Frank. I do know that. He uh, just over there not being posted up because LeBron was scared. We all know the story. But all right. Thank you, Tom. <laughs> you got it. Like any good team, hiring the right employees for your front office is just as important as recruiting the best players for the game. That's why you need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. So a heady play by Dan Levitard being this two guys are strong in him with using the humbleness and saying, I'm not going to help you because I'm not worthy. We all need to use that in the future. Like, no, no, no. It's not because I don't want to. I'm not worthy of helping you. Um, heady play. But no, Allie. Here, here's the deal with Allie. She sent me a question. I think you'll understand because y'all both seem or you are smarter than me. She sent me a question. I quit reading two sentences in, had no clue what it was. So Allie, I couldn't begin to translate what you did. Do you want to ask him what your question was? Oh, wow. Way to set me up there for success there, Flem. But uh, thanks for joining us, Tom. Um, hope you've enjoyed your time in the Queen City as a fellow Tar Heel State, you know, alum. We welcome you with open arms. But uh, my question revolves around the Charlotte sports. So with Michael Jordan owning two of the most intriguing sports in the, you know, across the nation with the Charlotte Hornets and with 2311 racing, how do you think he's able to balance his exceptionally high standards of win or bust with the fact that both franchises aren't necessarily performing to the standard, even in mediocrity? Great question. Um, yeah, so I think um, running a team is so much more about delegation and knowing that you don't really know anything. 
Um, and that's so different than being Michael Jordan on a basketball court. It is so much different. Like he gets the ball and he can take charge on a basketball court in the NBA as an executive. And this goes back to when he was mad about how the wizards were doing. He got his uniform on and refused to just like, let them not be good. And he got his uniform on and started playing like crazy stuff. In the same way, the Hornets, I think he needed to appoint the right people to make decisions, um, and that's really hard to do. That takes a lot of swallowing your ego um, and saying, I don't know everything. I'm not as good as the, the salary cap and capology and scouting and putting in the work to find the next Nikola Jokic, and that is a lot different. Um, I... I did not see this era um, going as well as it has with Mitch Kupchak running the show um, because it seemed like a lot of the same nepotism, Carolina, Tar Heel stuff of just like hire someone who went to Carolina, Chapel Hill. Um, but they've done really good um, in the last couple of years. So Lamella Ball is special and it's going to be really interesting to see how that team rallies around LaMelo ball. Cause he, I think he's got Jason kid written all over him. I think he's hall of fame. I think he's sensational. Um, and Michael Jordan, like I, I didn't know how the LeVar ball thing was going to play, but I have been here granted during a pandemic. I haven't really gone to the arena at all. I haven't heard of LeVar ball's name at all. And I thought that was going to be a powder keg. So it sounds like Michael Jordan as kind of, faded to the background a, a lot on the basketball side and just admitted that he's not as good at like making basketball all this NL standpoint or an operation standpoint as he is actually playing basketball. And it takes a lot of um, humility. Awesome. Thank you. Where, where in North Carolina? Um, so what, what's your North Carolina? I'm, I'm, from the, I'm from the Hickory area, but I went to school in Charlotte for a semester. So I know the area pretty well. I'd recommend going to the hall of fame. If you haven't been there yet, it's really fun, especially for little kids. It's really interactive. You the can, NASCAR like, hall of fame. Stops. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It is so cool. And you get to stand on the track at all the different angles that all the different tracks have feel the textures get to actually drive the cars. finagle with all the different equipment. It's really cool. It's really fun for kids. I'd highly recommend it. Got to do it. Thank you for that, Allie. No problem. So on the fly question, speaking of Michael Jordan and everything he's done with uh, new players, whether at GM or as a player, how are you taking in this entire Kwame Brown versus everybody? And, and I'm not asking for your opinion on it. Just how are you taking it in and how are you, are you even, is it something even on your radar that you're ever going to address or speak on? Or is it just watch on the sidelines and enjoy the wrestling match as it happens? Yeah, I'm very much. I don't want any of that. I don't want it to get in the middle of any of that. Right. Like, right. I've, I don't want any of that smoke either from my guys at, at um, all smoke or even at, at Kwame. I don't want any, anything to do with it. Not, not even some of the smoke. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like, it seemed it seemed pretty innocent what Matt Barnes said about him, like pretty innocuous. And then he just got torched. And I'm, I'm like, I, I don't even want to tread, like dip my toes in that water. I will say, speaking of Michael Jordan, like you said, that, I mean, I don't think any of us know what it's like to be, come in as a number one pick as a teenager and get that kind of, like, there's no, there's no more difficult, like, emotion than just grief on your career and being a disappointment and being labeled a bust. Like he must have been having like this inferno, just this smoldering 
thing inside of him for the last 20 years and it's finally coming out and yeah like anthony bennett like what's he dealing with you know like what's going on in his head because i wouldn't want to say a bad word about anthony bennett now because of what kwame brown is doing right now so i've i've I've, I've, I do not want any, anything to do with this Kwame Brown story. Got it. I'll, I'll leave it alone. I do think he has probably made people uh, hesitate using the word bust probably moving forward, but um, all right. Well, <laughs> wait, on. wait, now, now, now I'm in trouble for saying that he's, uh, he's, Oh no, no, with no, 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 no. That wasn't as a slide. That was meant as a true. Are you going to aggregate this? Are you no, going to put yeah. it out there? I'm going, Tom I'm Haberstro like, calls like, Tim Kirchin, uh, I small would, and old. I would never look, I have a child who just ran in. I wouldn't do that to you, Tom. Uh, I, this is the weirdest thing to happen to me uh, while trying to while being accused of clickbait, but I wouldn't do that, and I'll clean that up. Hi, I, I apologize. Hey. Hi, Sammy. Hey, Sammy. Say hi, Tom. There you go. Yeah, that's like Tom and Jerry. You were right. What a cute guy. That's right. Yeah. Sorry, Tom. Didn't expect that. But no, I was not. I was not uh, referencing the way you used the word. That was just a true thought that I had. Is that I had. I do think on normal platforms that will be national i think the word would be used pow, less, so. pow, apologize if that's uh, pow in the chat said uh, jonathan abrams wrote a great book featuring kwame um jonathan abrams is my guy he lives here in charlotte um great dude and uh i just wanted to say shout out to abrams preps to Lo- pros was that the book it's uh boys among men yeah but it's yeah. about preps to pros yeah yeah love that book great book Shout out to Abrams. Um, sorry for the, the. No, you're good. You detail. you helped me not be awkward after uh, the accusation of trying to bring you in there. So I appreciate you, Tom. Wait, what uh, happened? Be, well, what, no, whenever because the word bust, and I thought I was like, no, oh. that's not, that's not what I was. Yeah, I thought you said Amin, like uh, Amin Al Hassan. So. Oh no no no! Wow, are we good, Tom? No, I'm just joking with you. I that I was completely thrown off by. The, the fact that I brought up the word bust after <laughs> after you said it without realizing what I'd done. Oh, so Beep, I'm just uh, yeah, I know. It. Uh, Beep, you want to go ahead and ask your question? Yeah. Hey, Tom, thanks a lot for joining us tonight. We, uh, we really appreciate you coming on. So myself, I am a diehard Yankee fan, and you have <laughs> now told us that you are a Red Sox fan, which kind of sucks. Um, however, this kind of adjusts my question here. Um, excluding the core four and the baby bombers of now, who are your top three Yankees to hate over like the past, you know, 20 or 30 years? Uh, well, Derek Jeter is number one. Well, any, yeah. So excluding the core four. So like Jeter, um, Posada. I don't know what core four is that. I mean, oh, I just, that's so, a Yankees so, thing, not a red, like, I don't know. I don't know that what that is. So, so take out Jeter, um, take out Pettit, take out uh, Posada, uh, Rivera, anything like that. Wait, why, why, why do we have to take them out? Because those are the people you're that you're going to them. hate. Those are the people that you're going to hate as a Red Sox fan. Like I would hate, you know, Pedroia and, you know, Manny and, and Ortiz, but I would also hate, you know, Kevin Millar and, uh, um, you know, so, someone like that. Okay. Um, who do I hate? Um, who do I hate? Um, okay. Tom, so, there's only one answer here for you as a Red Sox fan. I mean, it's obvious. Well, it's A-Rod um, in there. Uh, A-Rod is in there. Uh, Roger Clemens, uh, but Trot Nixon hitting that home run against uh, Roger was is amazing. Shout out to Trot. My, my brother almost named his firstborn uh, Trot. Uh, 
Um, and by the way, this right here, um, I don't know if you can see this. This is at the top. You'll be able to see this is the American League Championship Game 3 2004 ticket stub. I keep it in my wallet at all times to remind me that whenever things get bad, just hang in there and they're going to turn around because Game 3 of the 2004 ALCS was the last loss of the Red Sox season that year. And they ran the table, won four straight. I don't know if you remember this. In 2004, uh, right. you, you might you might have forgotten, but the Red Sox won four straight uh, for the first time in Major League Baseball history. Dave uh, Roberts. Yeah. That's Dave what's up. Roberts. And uh, yeah, um, A-Rod slapping um, Bronson Arroyo running to first base. That just is seared into my brain. That was, I have that picture of Veritek and fighting A-Rod um, in my childhood home. There's a poster of that moment when Veritek and, and A-Rod fought. So um, I don't know if that answers your question, but I got a lot of vitriol for those. <laughs> it, it answers her enough there, Tom. Uh, th- thanks a lot for coming on. We appreciate you. <laughs> Great hat. Thank you for supporting. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash win money. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. If you love listening to us here on Lauer After Hours, what's stopping you from grabbing a mic and starting your own show? And there's no better place to host than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only 15 bucks a month. The same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So, if you're ready to do more than just listen to us talk about your favorite team, then make your voice heard in Hustle. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box in this podcast to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com slash join. All right. And so now we're going to kind of transition away from some of the, 
Well, maybe not some of the sports stuff because our local genius, Jeff, had actually a question for you um, about an event that you partake in. So, Jeff, you want to kick it off? Local genius. I'm down with that. Um, hi, Tom. It's Jeff. Um, so, actually, I had two, two questions for you. But um, my first one is, um, I, I saw that you were a speaker at the Sloan uh, Conference last year, I believe, 2020. Um, I don't know how that actually went down or if it actually went down. Um, but my question, uh, is, it, is it safe to assume you've attended for a few years, multiple times? Yeah, the only one I missed was when Obama spoke. It was like three years ago and, and no one was allowed to, it was like super high security. You weren't allowed to bring a phone into the room or record You couldn't record it. Like there was no recording allowed. It was like a very VIP experience when Obama went to Sloan conference. And that year I just didn't happen to go. I think it was like 27, 2017. Yeah. That makes sense. What is he? Dave Chappelle. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was uh well, he tries to be, he's a very funny guy. So, um, <laughs> I, I didn't get to go to that one, but yeah, I've been there a few, for a few years. All right. So my question is, um, what's your best story from a, uh, you know, post-conference, like cocktail hour after party rager at the Sloan conference? Cause I imagine those get crazy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, they don't, I'll tell you that there's a bar called the fours, which we all like, we all went to, it's called the fours and it actually unfortunately closed down in the pandemic. Um, but like you, you'll go to the fours and it's going to be packed with, uh, nerds packed. <laughs> and it's just awkward. Like imagine the most awkward place on earth and then just like ramp it up like 10 times. Cause, cause everyone's like drinking and trying to like, uh, you know, socialize, but no one actually knows each other because, people see your name but they don't know what you look like because oftentimes nerds like have a very nerdy avatar on twitter or whatever it is that they're trying to shield what they actually look like and so everyone's just walking around and like awkwardly like hey uh is that is that um is that is that kevin pelton over there and you just like kind of like guess at who's who and it's just super awkward um and you can always tell yeah it's just whoever whoever's yelling at somebody that they're jackass you figure that's Windhorst. <laughs> yeah, it's Windhorst and, uh, and Timmy Bontemps. I was texting with Bontemps <laughs> earlier today. Timmy, good times. Um, we call oh. him that because I guess Bontemps in French is, is good times. Does that make sense? Is anyone? Fe- I never I- knew. That makes sense now. Yeah, we call him Timmy Good Times. Um, and I miss those guys. I mean, one of the, when we seceded from ESPN and we started uh, uh, the new podcast network, Count the Dings, we we just really missed having those guys because um, those late nights at Sloan, like we would, we would uh, close the bars down and stuff because I don't know. It's just on the NBA beat, you, uh, you, you rarely see these people actually in real life, like everyone at the same time. So the Sloan conference is really just a big networking uh, excuse to get really awkwardly drunk. And uh, that's what the Sloan conference is. Sounds um, delightful. Pa- yeah, it's it's great. Pablo is absolutely right about this. Is that like getting the VIP pass where you're a, you're a speaker or being a um, being a panelist is like uh, it, it's like getting the Infinity Stones. Like it's just super powerful. You're able to like get in the VIP room where like there's billionaires and like Mark Cuban and Jeannie Buss and like Malcolm Gladwell and Michael Lewis and you're all in the same room. 
which was really weird in the pandemic. When the pandemic started in March of 2020, there was a VIP room with like billionaires and some of the most important people in the world at the very beginning of the pandemic inside like March 6th, the NBA shut down March 11th and no one knew what this virus was going to do, but we had all of the smartest, richest people in the world in this conference room in MIT on campus. And in retrospect, horrible idea. The fact that any of us survived is incredible. Yeah. Um, Thank you for that. That was great. Um, My other question was, um, so I haven't gotten all the way through the Ben Lyons episode of uh, the Haber Show pod yet. I was listening to it earlier. Um, but how many times did he use the word Sundance? <laughs> I don't know, but probably too much. Um, that's his world, though. I was just big a jackass, but... Yeah, you know, like when we, <laughs> we did, when we started out Haber Show in its second form. So I started Haber Show at NBC, and they gave me my own podcast, which was super cool. I'd never gotten like my own podcast, and um, and we started out. It was called the Haber Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns, legends whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime. Show. And everyone hated it, including Daryl Morey was like, how did you not call it The Haber Show? And so then I changed it to The Haber Show, but no one can pronounce it. Like even Frank introducing me today was like, hey, the Tom Haber Show podcast. Um, (laughs) Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. I mean, everyone loved that. So, uh, so it was like, everyone struggles with that name, including myself. It's my last name. And I still get my podcast name where I'm like, uh, the, yeah, the, the Haberstro podcast. And people are like, no, it's the Haber show. Um, and when we, when I left NBC, they gave me the rights to that RSS feed. And they said, you can like, we're really sorry about not renewing your contract pandemic, all this stuff. And it was really depressing time in my life, but I got my podcast back. And so Amin and I, we would do the show and we decided pretty early on the first 30 minutes of the show is going to be just like not talking about basketball. It's getting to know the guest and knowing their backstory. And Ben Lyons as one of the coolest backstories of being like a Hollywood reporter and just being like the who's uh, who's who behind the scenes with, with Hollywood. So I actually really enjoy those conversations because you get to, you get to learn about people that they're three-dimensional people. Ben Lyons, he's hilarious Knicks fan, but um, I, we wanted as many Hollywood stories and about, uh, about Kanye and all that stuff as much as possible. So if you haven't listened to the Ben Lyons episode of the Haber show, Haber show, go listen to it. Appreciate you listening. So speaking of that second reiteration where you came back with Amin, I believe it was Eric Strauss. You mentioned on that time after you left NBC, Eric Strauss, that you had something coming up. I, I, I saw the face. You, you had something coming up. Did you know at that time that Meadowlark was a potential option? Because you didn't say what it was, but you did say you had something coming up you couldn't speak about. It actually isn't. It wasn't that. Um, it was some a project that I was working on that I am bringing to Meadowlark. Awesome. Right, so we'll keep it there. Yeah, it's a it's a big a big story that I've been working on, and Ethan Ethan knows about it. Um, and so when he, it was, it was potentially going to be a book 
I was telling him, like I told him off air that I was writing a book about this, this story, this project. And he was like all about it. And so I am taking that project to Le- uh, Levitard and, and Metal Ark. So in a, in a way it is kind of like that, but I think when Ethan came on, it was like December. I don't think Dan had, had, had left ESPN at that point. No, he hadn't. I just didn't know if the seeds were planted because you said you couldn't hit at it. So I was just trying to read the tea leaves at the time. Uh, in retrospect, not at the time. And Frank, uh, I, I love you. It's Ethan Strauss, not Eric Strauss. Did I say Eric? Oh, I thought I messed up Strauss. Jesus, you got me shook, Tom. So yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, hey, thank you. Metal Luck Week, Dano. Yeah, I know. Hey, at least I recalled the show. But no, you're right. Yeah, I, I screwed that up. Thank you, Tom. I it's will, okay, uh, Finn. It's fine. <laughs> Harry, let that sit. Well done. All right. So uh, speaking of staying up late at MIT parties and drinking, which always leads to eating, Jeanette, you had a question for Tim? <laughs> oh, the the gold right there would have been for you to also mess up my name, I think. But- Look, I get it. I'm just not doing my job well tonight. Yeah, let, let's keep it rolling, Janet. Thank you so much, Joff. <laughs> anyway, so um, Tom, I was listening to your latest episode of uh, Pack Your Knives Pod with uh, Kevin Arnovitz, and I found it informative and very delicious. So afterwards, I had to eat because uh, I got hungry. Yeah. So given that it's a fan pod for Top Chef, what would be a location in the United States and another one? or anywhere in the world where you would like for them to shoot Top Chef. And have you ever tried Dan's world famous popcorn? Okay, so last question first, no, uh, I have not. Now um, you need to harangue him to try the popcorn. He probably won't give up the recipe, but at least get him to give you a bag. I, I gotta do that. Um, I, I've eaten with Dan before. Um, he eats very well. Uh, we, he, he, he basically runs every restaurant in Miami. So like he walks in the door and they've already got like a table and white cloth, like all set up for him. Um, uh, I would love for them to do Miami. I mean, I don't know if that's my number one. I, you know what? I'll say it's my, they've already done top chef Miami, but it was like 30 years ago. So mm-hmm. I'd love for them to return to Miami. Cause I think Miami is one of the best, if not the best um, food city in America. Cause of all the, uh, how international it is. Um, I love Miami food. Like I introduced the mean El Hassan to ceviche and it blew his mind. Like the idea of like raw fish and like the acid and the spice and just like fruit in there. Ceviche 105 on, on South beach. Um, it's awesome. Like ceviche is delicious and, and just like the food is fresh and it's bright. Um, you get all sorts of renowned chefs from around the country to come in. It's beautiful. Um, the venues are just awesome. The restaurants are great. And then you have like the, um, the Haitian food and Jamaican patties, and you just have all of this just international fare. I love Miami food. Um, I have, I'm, I have no plans to move back to Miami, but I know I'm going to be spending a lot more time in Miami and I'm so excited about the food. So I, I love Miami as, as the next top chef spot. Uh, an update on the popcorn. He actually makes it himself. So it's not like you're going to go somewhere and they're going to roll you out this popcorn for dessert. Yep. He makes it himself. 
So try to get ahead of line of his personal trainer and secure the bag, Tom. Okay. Jeanette, thank you for that. I, I actually didn't know about that. So um, so when you make popcorn yourself, you're saying that he like has the popcorns and then he dresses it in a certain way once they're popped? Right. All he's given up is that he uses uh, his a grandma and abuela's cazuela. Whether it's abuelita lebatard, we don't know. He hasn't mm. gotten to that detail. And then the only other thing he's given up is the types of oil, which is either coconut or olive. And he says, depending on his relationship to the person, depends the oil he uses. Wow. So that's all he's revealed so far. And that's all I have in my notes. I actually have it in my <laughs> notes. So, you know, next time you go down there, muscle in, get this popcorn. I'm, he's probably not going to give up the recipe because he's really tight-lipped about it. But everyone that ha- he's given the popcorn to and has tried it, they rave about it on the show. But it's like a secret thing. Like you can't really give yes. to like what, once you eat it from take a bite from the apple, it's like you you're you're part it, of this. Group. Uh, allegedly it ruins you for all other popcorn. So be prepared for that. Ooh, that's that's pretty I tough. know I'm hyping it up, but ask around and you'll hear the same. The okay. streets are saying this. <laughs> love it, love it. Thank you for that tip. You're welcome. Yeah, he protects that recipe like it's Chris Cody's job. It's he will not let anybody get a hold of it and i say that with chris cody being my guy but <laughs> swite happy birthday chris cody oh yeah happy birthday chris cody thanks to everybody care. else for saying that i don't care Good happy luck. birthday chris cody thanks pal always there for us so swites had a, a question a personal question actually that he needs some help with or at least wants your opinion on so swites what you got as a follically challenged male i was just gonna say is this a hair thing <laughs> <laughs> I, I just I just wanted to know what's what's your routine you got a good head shape it looks pretty clean do you do that every day straight blade what what's up yeah mean says I have a beautiful head um Dan once said that I my head looks like a testicle so I don't know it's it's one or the other I I don't know but I I've been blessed with like a a good brown head um I just use a general razor like a couple times a week I bick it um and I'm a really shiny, look about how shiny my head is, right? Like I have a really shiny head. It's just oil. I have the oily skin. I'm part Greek, part Chilean. And so I, I don't know what, whether that's a thing. I just said that. I don't know if Greeks have really shiny heads. It just feels right. So I, I, I go to, I remember one time I did a hit at Levitt's at, at the Clevelander. And I think her name was Maria. She was the, the makeup artist for us. And I, I swear to God, I almost got her fired. Because she would she would put um, concealer on and some some stuff on my head to conceal the shine, like de shining thing, and then within like five minutes of being on air, it would just beep, like pop right up. Like I would just be you could look at yourself in the mirror on my forehead, and the director in Bristol or in Washington, wherever this show was at, would be in my ear like Haberstroh, did you not fucking put on makeup? And I'm like, no, I, I did. And Maria would like scurry over and like pat my head. And I'm like, I'm, and she's like, she like turns to the camera. She's like, I don't know. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. And it just, that's, that's my head. It's uh it's very shiny. I don't know what to do about it, but I can't hide it with hair. So I just take a Bic every, every couple, like a couple times a week. Um, and, and that's just the way it is. I had receding hairline right here. And I, I felt like I had a pretty good head shape, so I decided to go with it. 
Nice. Yeah, it looks good. Any any lotions, moisturizer, anything like that? I should. Do you? Do you? I mean, I feel like I. I feel like you might have some advice for me. Uh, not anymore. I, I don't have the time. I have a, a one-month-old baby, so I don't. I don't get to. I shave my head probably once every three weeks now, as opposed to <laughs> twice a week like I used to. So, did uh, you do it right before you? Congratulations, by yes, the way. Good question. Thank you. Did you do it right before the baby was born? Because you knew, like, I'm not going to be able to do this for another month. No, I didn't even think about it. <laughs> Poor choice. Because now you're like, ah, oh, I wish I just done it when I had free time. It doesn't grow that fast, and I'm pretty bald already, so it's <laughs> it's not too bad of a deal. I yeah. thought Tom was going to ask if he had done it right before this podcast because it looked fresh, and I was like, did you do this just for Tom? I thought that's where we were heading there, but no, I was. I, I don't have the man of Ginobili going. I have the um. I have the man. I guess it's LeBron. No, I think you you're like Charlemagne the guy. Like it's a nice shaped head. It comes out clean. It shines. I think Charlemagne the guy is like the best comparison here. Okay. Deep. deep I, I I'm not going to turn down a Charlemagne the God comparison. Yeah. I feel like I've made it. You you do look similar. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it, I'll, all right. I, I'll here we go. It. Moving uh, on. So to the hard hitting question, we're we are, we're going to get you keep it moving, Tom. I know you spent some time with this, but. Uh, Pam has a question and then Mayor's going to play a fun game and then we'll uh, get you out of here. But Pam, the hard hitting question of the night. Oh, this is a good one. I've been excited to ask this. Thank you for joining us, by the way, Tom. We appreciate it. Um, my question is, would you rather fist fight an adult gorilla or fist fight a grizzly bear? Um, a gorilla. And here's why. I feel like a gorilla will just knock my head off in one swift motion and get it over with, and I will die quickly. The grizzly bear, I feel like if if you've ever watched what's the fucking movie, the movie um, with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. The Revenant? Um, the Revenant, yeah. It seems like very painful. I don't want to die a slow death with like a scratches and stuff. I'd rather a gorilla just like throw me and and break my neck or just like knock me out and i don't uh, is your question more about like who do you think you could take no because you're not going to take either one exactly so, gotta fight one of them which one are you fighting so you're going with gorilla i think i'm going with a gorilla i feel like it would be a swifter death yeah i think so a bear is gonna toy with you because that's what they do and it's going to be painful. It won't. It won't take long to kill you, but it will be painful. With a gorilla, you just may not know it's even happening because it's already over. Yeah, I've, I've actually uh, a gorilla almost attacked me once at a zoo, and uh, it scared everyone at the zoo because I'd walk by. I'm very hairy, so I think he thought I was like a threat. I mean, it, the irony is, I'm very hairy, just like I'm right here, um, and so I think people like. Or assume that because I'm bald, I'm not, I don't have like a crazy amount of hair on my chest. So I kind of have this, a lot of gorilla uh, features. And uh, so I think I'm a threat to gorillas sometimes. And I'm terrified of the movie Congo. When I was a kid, I watched Congo yeah. and that movie just scared the pants off of me. And um, so those silverback gorillas, I don't want to mess with. Okay. No, but Jeanette, you look, you look uh, like shocked or something or, over there all the videos i've seen when people go to the zoo it's always like the animals come to the glass and they're really kind with the little kids or like they mess around with the with the older kids 
but never anything where they're threatening to the male. So have you gone back to like any other zoos and has this happened to you again? Or are you just like, that's their territory. I'm not stepping foot. I already know I'm a beta. My wife got to the point where she was like, Madeline, my daughter, you go first and then go to the next exhibit. I'll walk with you in case this gets really bad. And then I would walk in afterwards. And then like, it hasn't happened a second time, but I do remember people were worried that this gorilla was gonna break through the glass. That's how intense it was. And so I just kept it moving. (laughs) Have you considered addressing this with Ron McGill yet? I haven't been on with Ron yet, so I've I'm gonna put it down on the list. Like maybe it's I'm emitting some sort of like pheromone or some some something that they can smell. Cause like if I'm fully clothed, I don't think you can see me that I'm like a hairy dude. They have beef with you for some reason. You gotta yeah. Out. yeah, gotta figure it out. They don't agree with your stats, probably somewhere. Gorilla <laughs> well, yeah. stats bullshit. Yeah. Say, next time, just throw a stat in the face of a gorilla and he'll disappear. In the Sabermetrics are crap. Yeah. Yeah. Eye test gorillas. So, <laughs> the eye test you. gorillas. Mayor Matt wanted to play a quick game with you uh, from our, our loyal general. Yeah, we're, we're calling some audibles here because oh, okay. I'm, Flem, just sit back. I'm taking over here. Okay. Uh, yes, first sir. of all, thank you. I mean, he's the mayor. Okay. He should be taking. Absolutely. It. So Jeff wants to do a limited fake Mitch Cup check. Jeff, do nothing else. Okay. So this is a courtesy of Steve Mason of ESPN LA Seven Ten Fame. But uh, hey, Tom. Uh, thanks. Thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, really glad you supported our squad. I think we're doing a good job. So. Mm-hmm. Thanks a lot. That's my Mitch Cup check. <laughs> uh, I I found trades for uh, for Lamar Odom and uh, and yeah, uh, Kobe Bryant. I thought um, Timothy Mozgov was a solid signing at the time. <laughs> that's pretty good. I I think that's pretty good. Mitch Cup check. Um, sneaky tall. Sneaky tall. Very tall guy. Like he's one of those they you know who's also sneaky tall? Mike Wilbon. Shout out to Mike Wilbon, who just got a Kurt Gowdy Hall of Fame award winner. He I don't know why. There's some people you watch on TV, you peg him as like a short guy. That guy, tall. He's like six two, six three. And I just thought Michael Wilbon did not that tall. All right. Back to by the way, side note, just got back from Wyoming. Kurt Gowdy State Park out there. Didn't know if you knew that, if you're ever in the area. Did not know that. Thank you for that. that, Yes. Uh, Based on your relationship with Dan, which uh, peanut oil do you think he would use, coconut or olive oil? Coconut for sure. Okay. Absolutely. All right. So now we're going to go do a little spinoff on the stupidity bit. I know you've been on stupidity uh, with some other folks before. We're going to play a game called Haberstro or Haberno. Okay. So. First question, some of these will be familiar to Lebetard Universe folks. Other ones will be, well, just questions I wanted to ask. Pineapple on pizza, Haberstro or Haberno? Um, wow. I'm going to admit that I used to love pine- Hawaiian pizza. In a high school, I would uh, uh, I would eat a lot of Hawaiian pizza. So I'm, I, I, w- I want to say Haberno that I've grown out of this phase, but I feel like if I was put to a lie detector test, um, I would fail because I used to eat Hawaiian pizza. 
Okay. I mean. <laughs> MJ better than LeBron. Haber Stroh or Haber No? Uh, pass. I don't know this. Um, Dan, Dan bullied me on the air one time when I was on the radio and he's like, have say it MJ or LeBron. And I said, a cop out LeBron is the best player I've ever seen in this de- generation. And he was like, no, you coward. Have you're a coward. And, uh, you heard like Stu Gott's cackle in the background. <laughs> Um, what are we doing? Um, so then I, I got, I just didn't have a, uh, the balls to do it then. I probably don't now. I, look, Michael Jordan, much in the same way that Pat Riley runs that town in Miami, like Michael Jordan runs Charlotte. And so I feel like if this gets out that I picked LeBron, I probably picked LeBron, um, that it would, uh, I, I got kids. The office is the greatest sitcom of all time. Haber Stroh or Haber No? Haber No. Um, I don't have a good answer for what the best one is, um, but I'm going to go with Heber. No Seinfeld. Hawks, yeah. Hawks eliminate the Knicks in the first round. Heber, Heber, no, uh, Heber Stroh. Hawks are going to win. Heat make the conference finals. Heber Stroh or Heber, no Heber Stroh. Peeing in the shower. Heber Stroh or Heber, no <laughs> Heber Stroh. Come on. There we go. That's all that matters. Return appearance on Lauer After Hours. Haber Stroh or Haber No? Haber Stroh. This is yes! The- yes! I mean! Uh, all right. Mayor, way to, way to finish that off. And thank you for taking the wheel. Uh, all right. So I'm sure you've never heard of, uh, this podcast before. But just so you know, what we do at the end is we always have a little something, something for our guests uh, to show you the appreciation. Oh, I'm sorry. Stupak did join late. Stupak, did you have something for Tom? Yeah. So, uh, John Morant been closer to the playoffs in this two years since Cat Williams been in the league. So, is John Morant better than Cat Williams? It, uh, is John Morant better than who? Sorry? Cat, Carl Anthony Tom. Oh, um, hmm. Uh, I, I'm going to say Haber no, because the fact that you had to preface John Morant or boost up John Morant's resume there in the question means you, 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 you want me to say John Morant and don't feel like Kat is worthy of being better than John Morant. I think Kat is really good, uh, and better than John Morant, particularly because he plays a position that I think is He's, a, he's really good at a position that there's not a lot of good players in that position at center. Um, so I'm going to go with Cat is better than John Morant. All right. And the question of the day has been answered. Uh, my bad, Pac. I forgot you joined here. So, Lou, back to you, uh, Cincinnati Lou, to show Tom what it is that we have for him. All right. So not that you already don't get enough people yelling sat in your face. Uh, we did make you a hat. That says stat in your face. Oh my god! Oh, that is uh, so cool. Will... Now I'll send that out when I send you the the, the other hat that this week. And I just want to let you know that uh, doing the rough tallies, it looks like we raised uh, three thousand dollars for IMALS. Oh man, that is so great! I'm gonna tell my mom that. She's gonna be she's gonna be delighted to hear that. Thank you so much. Yes, yes, all of the applause. Um, that's so great. And. Um, June 2nd, Brian Wallach, who runs IMALS, he actually just spoke to Congress yesterday. Uh, he's a big Cubs fan. He's going to be going. I think 
I think there's some like heavy hitters that are going to be at the Cubs game. So if you're a Cubs fan or if you live in Chicago, uh, definitely check that out. I'm going to be at Yankee Stadium with my family, um, my sister, my my twin sister, my two older brothers and my my parents uh, and some of our family. We're all going to go and it's going to be awesome. And I can't wait to tell my mom about um, the hats and, and raising that much money. That is so cool. Thank you so much. Be on be on the lookout because I know that at least one person is going to that event that day. So uh, that's a lot of hats. So maybe it'd be kind of cool to see a couple of the hats randomly out in the stadium. Oh yeah. Um, I would, those, those people are celebrities in my world. So I would, I would take a picture with them in a second. Um, so at Yankee stadium, you're saying Lou? Yeah. Yeah. They met, they're, they're going to go to the, the Lou Gehrig day. Are, are you in Cincinnati? No, I'm, I'm in Atlanta. Oh, okay. What, what, why is everyone giggling? It's, it's a, I have, I have lots of names. You know how either, you know, the show has lots of alter egos. There's people. I'm, I'm Cincinnati Lou. I'm Cincinnati Bruce. I'm Floyd in sales. I have lots of just random alter egos and Cincinnati Lou is the guy that you place a bet on the ponies to. Cincinnati, um, Lou, Cincinnati Lou is the bookie. And then Cincinnati Bruce is the guy who breaks your knees. Mm, don't want to mess with both of those. I mean, you don't want to mess with any of those. You never want to mess with a bookie or the guy that uh, the muscle. You don't want to know about Cincinnati Kwame either. After <laughs> <laughs> just name for Lou before I uh, oh, wrap it up. Again. Yeah, you know, I, I just I just wanted to say, um, you know, this is obviously a big team effort, but Lou has taken it upon himself to deal with this whole hack takes them himself, he ships them out himself, he deals with all the sales himself, and none of this would be uh, possible without um, my partner from Jeff and Lou have a podcast, uh, <laughs> Lou. Uh, so thank you, buddy. We really do appreciate it. No problem. And you guys, if you can kind of see, there's the pile of the 200 ads that we're going to be boxing up here in the next day or so and shipping them out. And, and Jeff, you opened up the door. I'd really like to publicly thank both uh, you and Lou for uh, inviting me on your podcast. And, um, and of course, it hadn't been important enough for you to actually have me on your podcast. So both go to hell. <laughs> Tom, I'm, I'm sorry that that went that way. But Jeff and Lou do better. That's the mayor. We're, we're, we're getting to it. So, uh, Tom, I know, obviously, the, the national... Uh, uh, Lou Gehrig's Day. Sorry, Lou just threw me off with his name. Lou Gehrig Day is coming up. Is there anywhere specific that people can go to donate or anywhere else you want them to know about? LouGehrigDay.com. Uh, my guy, Adam Wilson, runs the site. He is on the Lou Gehrig Day committee with me. He is a co-founder of the Lou Gehrig Day committee. Um, he has ALS and he is the man. And he uh, he does the whole website by himself, runs like, he's incredible. Um they really, I really do believe that ALS only selects the best people in this world. Um, because when I, every time I meet someone with ALS, like their story is incredible and they're such heroes. Um, and Adam Wilson, go to lougehrigday.com. There's a whole panel. You can like, they've almost like, uh, they've, they've, they've personalized donations. So like you have a whole menu of like where, what each charity does, like specifically what regions, and you can like customize where you want your money to go based on your own personal like preferences. Uh, so whether you want to do it for care 
uh, because people with ALS need wheelchairs. They need uh, renovations to their house to, to uh, have the ability to, to wheel around the house or a, a special van. Like some people um, can donate to care. Some people can donate to a cure. Uh, so if you want to donate to research, you can do that on the website. So lougehrigday.com, um, go there and uh, just learn more about it and consider donating. It's going to be a really special day. And, and uh, it's really great to, to be a part of that because baseball sports in general just have such a power to make change. And um, it's, it's going to be a real difference maker in this fight to, uh, to find there are no cures. There are no treatments for ALS. And we are going to, we are going to, we're going to freaking do it. Absolutely, man. Well, we, we appreciate your time and uh, prayers, thoughts, and nothing but positive energy for you, your mother, and everybody else that's dealing with it. So thank you for taking time. Thank you for everything that you're doing for this cause. Uh, yeah. We do get the infamous thank you, Tom. Unless you had something else there, Tom, I didn't mean to cut you off. All right, yeah. here we do it. One, Go for it. two, three. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Tom. Tim. 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 Thanks for joining us, Tom. We really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Lower After Hours. You can always reach us on Twitter at Lower After Hours or Instagram at Lower After Hours. We're available wherever you get podcasts, so don't forget to download, subscribe, review, and rate five stars. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.